They say you're the real thing. That's it, honey. Hold it up so we can see it. So can you tell the readers of life how it feels? I mean, to be a girl among all those men. I don't mind it. Isn't it intimidating? I mean, when I was a girl, I wasn't allowed to be competitive. I played with dolls. Chess isn't always competitive. No, but you play to win. Yes, but chess can also be... What? Beautiful. You're an orphan, Beth. Yes, I know that. No, yes, of course you do. I was just wondering how you learned to play chess. Mr. Scheibel taught me. He was the janitor at Methuen. A janitor taught you how to play? Really? When I was eight? I imagine it must have been such a distraction from life in such a depressing place. I mean, you must have been very lonely. I'm fine being alone. Do you imagine that you saw the king as a father and the queen as a mother? I mean, one to attack, one to protect. They're just pieces. And anyway, it was the board I noticed first. The board? Yes. It's an entire world of just 64 squares. I feel safe in it. I can control it. I can dominate it. And it's predictable. So if I get hurt, I only have myself to blame. How interesting. Tell me, Elizabeth, have you ever heard of something called apophenia? No, what's that? It's the finding of pattern or meaning where other people don't. Sometimes people with this condition get feelings Over of here. revelation or ecstasies. Sometimes people find patterns or meaning where there aren't any. Mm. What does that have to do with me? Well, creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Or for that matter, genius and madness. You think I'm crazy? No, of course not. I think I that's enough. Asking. Beth has homework to finish. She is, after all, still a young woman in school. Just like all the other kids her age. Yes, of course. <clears throat> it was an honor to meet you. Thanks. You know, you might try bridge. I hear a lot of chess players enjoy it. I'll show you out. Drums, please. Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome back to Dopamine, the show that is all about personal empowerment and helping you unlock your potential. Today we're going to be talking about the Queen's Gambit and the character of Beth Harmon. Now ever since I've gotten into personality types, I have obsessively paid attention to characters on TV, celebrities on interviews, and people in my life to learn their personality type, to passively figure out who they are and get to know them a little bit better and to brush up on what I know about personality types, just to see how it shows up in the world. And the best personal experience I've gotten is from actually meeting people in real life. 
And being able to meet those people gives me a fuller range of what I can bring to the table when I am learning about fictional characters and celebrities. So what I wanted to do here is share some of my thought process of how I determine a character's personality type or a couple possible personality types that this character could be and really be able to extrapolate from there the character moments that really stand out as a personality moment and then being able to kind of compare those to either my experience or other people's experience and add to a fuller understanding of this personality type theory. So what we're doing here is called passive typing. The, it's the act of investigating someone's personality type passively at a distance. This means we're observing the character or a person's behavior as they go through their story. And uh, we're limited by what we know about personality theory and what we can observe. We also can't and aren't trying to prove an absolute correct personality type as that's not possible with passive typing, especially written characters, even celebrities watching them at a distance. They usually have a mask on of some kind. So characters are the culmination of story, script, directing, and acting, which bring multiple perspectives and influences to the table. So personality types are a tool set for getting to know people and how they learn, how they make decisions, how they show up to the world, and their sense of reality. And this is meant to be a teaching tool to help you notice character moments, as it's going to be difficult to holistically type a character throughout a series for all the reasons that I just mentioned. So what we're looking and what we're going to highlight are character moments that stick out as obvious low-hanging fruit and be able to talk about it and share a perspective, share my thought process, my perspective on what I see and how that can help you with either your own personal growth or noticing more of the people around you in your life. And another thing that I bring to the table with talking about this stuff is that I've worked in film, I've worked in TV, and I've been a designer for 20 years. I'm a digital producer. That's how this channel exists. That's how all of the work that I do exists. So that goes into why I wanted to highlight this series because it's a limited run series. I've personally thought a lot about creating with the end in mind. And this is such a good example of that, of making something that is timeless, that is interesting, that is thought provoking, that is intentional. And it's just a lovely piece of art. So I want to say that first off, that this is basically a glowing recommendation that if you haven't seen this show, go see it now, because this is going to be a spoiler filled uh, expression of this character. So we're not going to be pulling back any punches here and we're going to dive into this character's personality. And I also want to note that we're going to be diving into more complex theory. We're going to start with the basics. We're going to start talking about the four-letter code and some of the easier stuff. But by the end, we're going to get a little bit more into what are called cognitive functions. And if you're not familiar with that, we have other videos here on the channel that talk about cognitive functions. And uh, if you're not you're not finding what you need there. We have personalityhacker.com has what's called the car model and they give a really great explanation for personality type cognitive functions where you can leave a comment below if you're stuck and have a question and I can certainly uh, guide you through that. So Beth really stuck out to me because I personally related to a lot of the interesting mannerisms of this character, especially as a kid. I remember feeling as a child that I was kind of a camera to the world. I was observing everything around me, paying attention to people, their behaviors, and just approaching the world with kind of a curiosity, a distant curiosity, but also kind of like a stoic roboticism to my face. You can see that Beth doesn't have a lot of facial expressions when she's a child. And as she gets older, some of that kind of personality colors a little bit. You can tell that she's growing in in her experiences and who she is. But uh, we're going to cover that in a little bit more detail in a second. 
but I, I mostly wanted to cover this character because of of how I relate personally, and I think other INTPs can relate to this character, even if there are there are per, there are other personality type options here, which we're going to talk about also. I think as an INTP, many INTPs will relate to this sort of feeling as a kid of feeling a little bit lost and curious and entering social situations with a bit of a blank slate. So we're going to talk about that as we go along here as well. So since we're talking about a an entire series, I want to do just a, uh, a quick catch up to the introduction of what this series is. So this limited Netflix series is about Beth's obsession with the game of chess. After being orphaned due to the loss of her mother, she's shown pretty early to be a gifted child who takes the game of chess takes to the game of chess like a duck to water. She comes across the janitor of the orphanage who is playing chess in the basement after being sent there to clean erasers. She's instantly curious about the game and asks, basically demands, that he teach her how to play. Despite being denied at first, she watches him play and picks up on how the game is played through her own observation whilst cleaning those erasers. At the orphanage, the kids are given two pills a day. One is a multivitamin of sorts, and the other is a tranquilizer for behavior to keep the kids in check. I should probably note that this series takes place in the early 60s, so if you're wondering why the tranquilizers are a thing, the the past does a lot of weird stuff. So anyway, uh, so she takes the tranquilizer and gets a high from it, relaxing her mind and helping her focus. Another orphan, Jolene, likely an ESTP type of character, recommends that she takes the tranquilizer before bed to help her sleep. The first few nights at the orphanage are filled with her remembering memories of her past when everything has gone quiet. Shadows or the trees on the ceiling take her back to memories with a similar nighttime tone related to her parents, particularly her mom and um, what she observed of her. After Jolene's suggestion, she starts taking the tranquilizers before bed. Instead of the memories, the shadows in the ceiling now transform into a chessboard and pieces start moving around to play possible scenarios on the board. She begins reviewing the game she's played with the janitor instead of her trauma and family-related memories. So soon after, a state law kicks in that bans the use of these tranquilizers after Beth has already been been getting addicted to these tranquilizers as they've been helping her relax and do this uh, this reviewing of these of these chess matches. She's relied on the pills to activate this visualizing of possibilities, and her pursuit to keep going and continue improving at chess begins the events that lay the track for the rest of the series. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of all of this, um, and I know this has been a very long intro, but I want you to know that my intention here is that this is not about proving anything. This is about teaching, showing, sharing, connecting, and I really want to stoke curiosity. It's about asking questions and continuing to ask questions and be curious about it. This is not about conviction. It's not about proving because we can't prove anything. This is not a situation in which there is a right answer. So I don't want you to focus on trying to get the right answer. I want you to focus on noticing the behavior patterns of these characters or other characters in other series and noticing character moments. I want to reframe this celebrity typing sort of space to be about character noticing. So we're going to be primarily covering Myers-Briggs and the cognitive functions, but let's start with the simple stuff. I think that's the best thing that you can do if you're trying to do passive typing is to just notice the obvious and maybe not necessarily dismiss it right away. And if you're trying to do this for the first time, it's okay to take notes. You know, even if with your you're with your partner on the couch, it might be interesting to just take some notes and uh, notice what you notice. And I think one of the things that sticks out about Beth Harmon is that she is clearly an introvert, even by the 
big picture standards of anyone who's never heard of personality types, there's this general understanding of introvert and extrovert. And I think introvert is probably the most obvious. She's a generally very quiet character, relatively serious in tone for most of the series, and has some challenges with people connections when it's not related to chess. When it's related to chess, she will plow through and she will go towards what she wants to go towards. But when it comes to regular old people connections and being expressive, she's a little bit more quiet and is typically by herself for much of the series and is certainly independent in that kind of way. You can look at her foster mother as a antithesis to that. She's clearly a much more extroverted character, much more expressive when she's not by herself. When she's by herself, she's a little more morose and she's uh, downtrodden, uh, if you want to use big words, <laughs> and she is not as lively as she is when she's out with people and traveling and doing more expressive things. She lights up. So it's noticing, you know, what the exciting parts of reality are for these characters. For Beth, it's the introverted space of reading and being quiet and and kind of being in her own individual introverted armor. Whereas the extrovert side for her foster mother comes out and is is the excited part of her. And when she's quiet and she's she's playing music that's more of the the introvert side of the stepmother character, the foster mother character that um, is not excited to be alone and be in her own thoughts. The other obvious low-hanging fruit here is the thinking side of her. Obviously, she's playing chess, and it's not as if feelers can't get focused on chess or be good at chess, but she takes a more stoic approach to life in general. Now, this character is confusing in the sense that there's trauma involved. And when Molly and I were talking uh, about the show a little bit, Molly asked me the question, so what's going on here? Is this personality? Is this trauma? Or is this autism? Like, what's happening with this character? And I think it's a little bit of all of the above. Maybe autism, not as much. But I think when it comes to a thinker type of character like this, especially a female character, uh, where you're not used to seeing this level of stoicism, that this type of character is, she's very focused, she's very analytical, and she's making her own judgments about what makes sense to her in her own reality. She's going towards things that are interesting, more cerebral. She's definitely more head focused, as opposed to her stepmother type of character, her foster mother character, who is much more lively, much more expressive, much more open and much more uh, communicative and relationship seeking. Even at points, her stepmother is looking around at the crowd for signals as to when to clap and uh, very much paying attention to the social cues in the situation. Beth could care less about the social cues. She is trying to navigate the world the way that she knows how, and that is by learning chess and learning the sort of rules of the situation in order to be able to circumvent them, essentially, when, especially when it comes to the pills and needing to get what she wants to get. She is not really concerned about getting in trouble. She's not concerned about um, being liked. There's not a lot of that in her character throughout the entire series. So those are just some basics. Those are some low-hanging fruit. And if you're doing this kind of passive typing, I encourage you to look for this, these obvious things first. You know, even using the four-letter code, I know a lot of us want to dive into the more complicated stuff first, but that 
makes things more complicated. You use the complicated things when you need them. You use the simple tools when you need them. So, so far we've determined that she's most likely an I and a T character. So an ISTJ, INTJ, ISTP, or an INTP. I think those four make the most sense in this case. So the parts we haven't talked about yet are her learning style and how she shows up to the world. Learning style being intuition or sensing, and then the uh, showing up to the world being the judging or perceiving. So let's start with intuition and sensing. This part can be a little bit confusing, mostly because also in the entire series, she's under 20 years old. So if she's an introvert and her learning style is extroverted if she's a perceiver or introverted if she's a uh, judger, that would mean that she either leads with her perceiver function or she is extroverting with her perceiver function. So it really becomes this tricky dance of figuring out what's going on with this character, especially in relation to her trauma and the life circumstance that she's dealing with. Now, she's a very quiet character. And one of the things that really stuck out to me about this character is how freely she moves about the world. She likes to, uh, she, she has no problem breaking the rules. An ISTJ would have some reservations about breaking the rules. Uh, INTJs could also navigate the world while breaking the rules and doing what they want to do. But, um, if the system makes sense, they will honor the system, you know, extroverted thinking. So what I'm leaning towards is either INTP or ISTP. But again, you know, we're going to dive a little bit further into that and see, see what stacks up there. So going back to intuition and sensing, intuition is about pattern recognition. It's about the future and possibilities and typically speculating about what's coming next. Sensing, on the other hand, is more about your immediate surroundings. What is reliable? What can you prove? And proof typically means what you can smell, taste, hear, and personally experience. That also includes your sense of time and sense of balance. So what makes the intuition and sensing side tricky is that the pills are activating some version of intuition. Now, because she's so young, she's only nine years old at the start of the series, that if she's an INTP, for example, she may not have access to her intuition just yet. You know, an INTP, their introverted functions are introverted thinking and introverted sensing. And she'd be more likely to be spending more time in those introverted spaces, which is going to appear like an ISTP. It's going to appear like more sensory focused. And for her to activate her intuition with the pills, that could be a sign that she is activating her intuition earlier in her development. And it doesn't necessarily mean that she's not naturally an intuitive, that she may be activating it sooner than, than, than expected. And then the, the other, the flip side might be true for a sensor that if she's a sensor, if she's an ISTP, that she would, her introverted functions would be introverted thinking and introverted intuition. And she would be in a place where she would be uh, thinking about those future possibilities more often than an INTP would at that age. Um, but it's usually going to be a narrow slice of something specific. And in this case, it's chess. Uh, so ISTP is a total possibility in this case. But you can see why intuition and sensing is a little bit confusing in that we've got a character that is using a supplement to activate this intuition. And so there's no real sense, easy sense of whether or not this character is using intuition naturally uh, especially when it comes to, you know, looking at the chessboard on the ceiling, because that's something that I've done as an INTP. I've been able to, uh, I've, I visualize 
future possibilities. I've been planning this in my head, this video, this uh, podcast, this, you know, wherever this is going in, in my head for the past week or so. And I play with those possibilities. And sometimes it does visually show up in my periphery. Uh, when I'm doing Photoshop work in my head, it's like a projection. I think of it as like Tony Stark when he's using his interface or minority report. I do that stuff um, in in my own head all the time and have since I was a kid. So I relate to Beth Harmon's character in that way. And that's why that makes this intuition and sensing part a little bit confusing. So we'll dive a little bit more into the cognitive functions of that aspect shortly to try to suss that out a little bit and see what makes sense there. But let's, let's dive into the uh, perceiving and judging part. So in the Myers-Briggs system, perceiving and judging is all about how you show up to the world. So as a perceiver, you show up ready to learn and you show up more relaxed. You show up uh, ready to uh, experience things in a sense that you are navigating the world, you're flowing through things and um, pretty adaptable and easygoing. Now, again, this is a tricky thing because She's under 20 years old, the entire series. And a lot of perceivers, a lot of introverted perceivers, IP types have a hard time developing their extroverted side until around their twenties, because not only is life not yet creating this opportunity for them to use their extrovert extrovertedness more and pushing them to use their extroverted side more, um, but they're just too young for that. Now there are moments where you could say that she's possibly a judger. Um, one of those moments could be when she was breaking into the, uh, into the, the area where the pills were, she was prepared. She had a plan. She showed up ready to execute. Now, this is something that she was doing on her own. It's not something where she's facilitating other people or facilitating, uh, uh, multiple people to get something done. And a lot of extroverted thinkers, TJs in the Myers-Briggs system, especially at a young age, if they're not using it very well because it's their secondary function, they, uh, ITJs as their secondary function, uh, typically get enamored with having other people do things for them. That extroverted thinking is often about, um, for, for some of the younger, unhealthier types, uh, outsourcing a lot of their own thinking. So it's not that they necessarily want to absorb every bit of information about something the way that uh, an ITP might, but uh, that they would outsource some of their learning to someone else and or some of their actions to someone else. So she may have, for instance, if she was uh, trying to break into get the pills, um, you could say that she was prepared and had a tool and, you know, was very straightforward with how she, she got it done. But there was a lot of improvising that happened as well in that moment where she leaned over and she saw the table and she kind of figured everything out as she was going along. Whereas a judger may have uh, taken a little extra time to observe the scene, figure out a game plan and execute a little bit more sharply, a little bit more, um, seamlessly. Uh, same thing though, the fact that she's a uh, young could mean that she necessarily hasn't developed the skills to be able to do that yet. So again, that's what's tricky about typing characters. Uh, she's young, she's under 20 in the entire series. So that makes that a really tricky thing to notice. Another aspect that points to judger for a lot of people is that she's pretty well dressed up and taken care of, uh, in terms of her looks. But you also have to remember that uh, her stepmother is most likely an ESFJ 
character, her foster mother rather, is more most likely an ESFJ type of character, and it's the '60s, uh, you know, and uh, someone who is uh, an INTP or an ISTP can dress up nicely. I know we're kind of uh, looking at the the modern age of INTPs and ISTPs, where you know basically we've been through the '90s and 2000s, and everyone was kind of disheveled in the '90s and 2000s in terms of fashion. Uh, there was a little bit more of a social expectation to to dress up and look nice and and take care of yourself. And her liking to dress up and look nice doesn't mean that she's not a judger. Uh, I don't. I simply say that that doesn't necessarily discount that she's a judger uh, because perceivers as a whole, you know, you can be self-disciplined as a perceiver and take care of yourself. Um, but she has no concern about making sure that other people are primped and proper and taken care of. She's not necessarily judging other people's taste. She's not uh, looking at the world around her and um, she only takes minor cues every so often as to how she should uh, to dress up, look nice, do her hair, stuff like that. Um, but that's over the course of the series that she starts to develop that skill and not necessarily something she does for other people. And she makes those decisions for herself, not at the pressure of someone around her or an external factor. And then the last bit, and not exclusively the last thing to think about in all of this, is that um, for her to be a judger, she would have to be a much more relaxed mind when she's by herself. And I relate to as an, as an introverted thinker, which we'll dive into cognitive functions in a second. Um, but as an introverted thinker, as an ITP, I relate to having a very busy mind all of the time and not in a relaxing way. It's a very active figuring things out, uh, organizing things in your mind, sussing things out, trying to uh, piece things together, make sense of the world, make sense of everything that you've just experienced. And at the end of the night, when she gets to bed, that's when she starts to experience some of the uh, active parts of her mind. And she uses the pill to relax her mind because she doesn't want to actively engage in having to work through her trauma. There are moments where like, it is very possible, like I said, that she could be a judger. She has a very, when it comes to what she wants, when it comes to her future, when it comes to uh, her future with chess in particular, um, she has an easier time subverting some of the social elements. You know, she has this like cough that she does or like this <clears throat> when trying to get someone's attention. It's kind of a funny little uh, social cue that she picked up the, to get someone's attention because she's trying to get towards what she wants to get towards. And it seems very likely that if she was in the modern world with the Internet, she would just subvert that altogether. She would go directly towards um, most likely looking up chess strategy on her own, going to the computer and only asking for things when she absolutely needs it. Otherwise, she seems to be figuring things out on her own for herself, and which is a very ITP behavior to just, you know, go your way, figure things out as much as you can by yourself through discernment with books. And um, extroverted thinkers, the TJs, tend to, when they're trying to figure out what to do, what to strategize, how to work things out, she tends to, you know, they would, they would tend to prefer to talk something out out loud and not necessarily just figure it out themselves, you know, extroverted thinking, right. Working something out with someone else. And that's a whole, you know, process of, um, I think that's the thing that makes that differentiates ITJs and ITPs is external thinking versus internal thinking. And I think we can dive into the cognitive functions now to kind of differentiate some of those, uh, elements. 
So one of the key moments in this entire series happens in the first episode where, uh, where she is laying in bed and she has, you go through the sequence of learning that she is, uh, her mother passed away in a car accident and she's like kind of left standing there. She's a little bit stoic about it. She's not even emotionally reacting very much, which is another reason why people think maybe INTJ or, or as a possibility because her, her emotional expression uh, is not quite there, but the trauma would also create a wall where she would not be able to access her emotions about it, especially if she is um, very internally disciplined as a person, as a character. And you learn over time through the course of the series that her mom really tried to instill a sense of discipline. You know, don't make mistakes. Don't let other people tell you what to do. Uh, and had a lot of rule sets that her mom was always trying to instill in her to, um, make sure that she, you know, lived the best life that she could and do the right thing, do the exact right thing. And many INTPs already have a little bit of a fixation with focus that they feel almost hyper-focused on normalcy uh, for quite a bit. I know I have. I know many INTPs that I've spoken to have felt that as well. And there's this um, fixation uh, that I would imagine is if you're dealing with an intense trauma like this, that um, the idea is for you to be hyper-disciplined and wall yourself off, that you would just lean into that desire to have a hyper focus and anything that deviates from that focus would be harmful to you or scary or unsafe in any kind of way. I think INTPs already feel that kind of way. So it's, it's a little bit hard to trust the development of their intuition. And especially for her as uh, Beth Harmon is only nine years old at the start of the, the show uh, that it would make sense that she would just want to double down on her uh, sense of safety and desire to intensely focus. So the trauma stuff, uh, the thing, the moment that stuck out to me is when she's in bed and she is reviewing, uh, she starts to look at the ceiling, you know, once she's, uh, everything has finally slowed down, you know, all of this stuff happened. The car accident happened. She was taken to the foster home. She had to get, um, basically introduced to the foster home, you know, orientated to it. And they gave her a bed. They, they gave her all the you know, the, the, the rundown of what's happening in this situation. And so once she finally gets a chance for everything to slow down, the first things that, the first thing that happens is she starts to review the past. She notices on the ceiling that there are some trees moving and the trees create this moment. It's a physical totem in the environment that takes her back to a flashback. Now, this is a very sensory thing, um, whether it's introverted sensing or extroverted sensing can be up to interpretation. But uh, in my view, in my experience as well with introverted sensing, uh, introverted sensing and introverted intuition are both related to totems and totems are something that triggers an experience. So you look at a uh, something that matters to you in your environment and you're taken back to that experience, the sights, the smells, the feelings of what happened in those moments. And what's important there is like, yes, it is sights and smells and feelings. So she starts to go back to when she was younger before her mom passed away. And the course of the series is connecting the dots of her past leading up to the car crash, leading up to what happened to be able to eventually process her emotions towards the end of the series. And that moment in the bed, when she's staring at the ceiling and 
uh, has this glossed over look, that's usually an accessing of that introverted perceiving function. So introverted intuition or introverted sensing. And for me, this is a defining moment for the character in that she has these experiences with starting to review the past and feeling the uncomfortable feelings. And because the fact that her mom over the course of the series also tells her that, you know, she needs to be, you know, focused and tough and uh, make, not make mistakes that to access her feelings would compromise her. And I think if she's a thinking dominant person that she is already kind of naturally aware that emotions will compromise your thinking, even at a long, a young age. Uh, I remember being very aware of that as a uh, introverted thinking type of care, type of person that, um, you know, emotions don't make sense to me, like to be emotional, uh, to, to tamp down my anger or my feelings makes more sense because then I can keep focused and I can keep doing what I want to do. I don't have to process this stuff. Um, the thing happened and that's it. And I can start to squeeze on my own discipline to be okay. And what basically happens through the series is that she finds the pills, she gets access to these pills and the pills allow her to avoid. It's not necessarily about what she accesses, but the pills allow her to avoid and refocus her attention to something else when she's awake at night. And what's confusing is like, it's almost as if she goes from introverted sensing into introverted intuition, which is not possible by personality standards, but it makes sense in how what she's trying to do is now avoid having to review her past and instead wanting to review chess possibilities. So she, she both reviews games that she's had and re uh, finds new possibilities in that past. And I've done that as well with my relationship with extroverted intuition and introverted sensing. It's like you go back to a past relationship or you go past to, to a past moment and you kind of think, what if possibilities, what, what if we did this instead, what would happen and uh, how would we possibly, you know, how could we have had a better result so that we can take that into our future? And I see this happening just in this one moment, this one moment defines the character all the way through. And while there's definitely other arguments that could be made for other aspects of her character, if there is a magic pill moment, it's probably this moment that defines more of introverted sensing being avoided um, for a character that if she's an introvert already as an INTP, then that's a major part of her psyche that she is blocking off and wanting to replace that with chess. And it becomes a fixation that she navigates through the entire series with in order to safely navigate her introverted sensing over time to review her trauma, to be able to put the pieces together as to how everything led up to where she's going. And she's kind of got onto a future paced track of just playing the next game of chess. And it's not necessarily that she sees chess and has this vision of the future for, for wanting to be a chess champion. Uh, she just wants to keep getting better and keep diving further into this so that she can, you know, further avoid having to deal with her trauma. And if it was like a modern version of a character, there are multiple things to get distracted by. And then if it's what's confusing for a lot of people who are trying to type this character is that uh, we relate 
we're, we're trying to relate a modern INTP, which is typically ourselves or other people that we've come across to a INTP in the sixties where there isn't the internet. You have to actually get out and go somewhere to go do something. You have to go to the library to find books. You have to uh, go to classes to learn uh, a different language and that creates social, social opportunities. So, you know, I think a lot of INTPs say like, oh, you know, if it was me, I would probably spend a lot of time by myself and I would not go anywhere. But this is a circumstance, a situation where she does have to go somewhere. So uh, to relate back to that moment in bed where she's staring at the ceiling, you know, the transforming of the environment into a chessboard is more of an extroverted expression of intuition. If it was the other way around, she would probably be playing out the intuitive moments in her mind. She would be recreating her own world because introverted intuition is a little bit more of a unique expression of uh, intuition. It's more about doing something that's a little bit um, of a personal interpretation of imagination and not necessarily just, you know, the, the real world. But I'm, I'm also going off of my experience, and um, if you're an introverted intuitive and this relates to you, what she's done in this series, I'd love to know more about that as well to, to help kind of round this out. Um, but my interpretation is that you know she is uh, using more extroverted intuition in this situation, in this case, to avoid using her introverted sensing. Now, if she is a... TJ, she's an ISTJ or an INTJ, that would mean that she has introverted sensing as her dominant function or introverted intuition as her dominant function. And if she's dealing with trauma, it's not as likely that a person is going to try to avoid using their dominant function. Our dominant function is unconscious. It's something that we use without thinking about it. So if she was a dominant introverted intuitive, for example, if she was an INTJ, this uh, idea of visualizing in her mind would not be foreign to her. If anything, this would be her safe space to do this, even when she's out in the world, um, not noticing so much what's around her, but probably escaping to her own imagination in the same way that the, this character is basically escaping to her thinking much of the time and her own personal sense of discipline much of the time throughout this series to make her feel safe, to fixate on uh, something that she can dive deeper into and use the depths of her psyche to engage in. So simply put, she probably wouldn't need the pills to access her intuition. And if she accessed her intuition, then her introverted feeling would come along with it. And she wouldn't be avoiding her feelings. She would be accessing them through her intuition as well. So to me, that kind of rules out INTJ. Um, but not as a holistic character, but there are still moments where uh, being a very disciplined, potentially very disciplined INTP brings out very INTJ-ish elements that if you're an INTP that is using introverted thinking and introverted sensing and very disciplined INTPs do very much exist, especially when they're fixated on the high stress of their tertiary function of introverted sensing, that this, this, high sense of discipline. It's a very self-focused discipline and an INTP who has control of their environment, of their situation, of their faculties, you know, everything that they're, they're controlling is themselves. Then of course you can have a high sense of discipline when it comes to yourself, when it comes to having to 
work around, work with other people. It's, it's kind of a more relaxed situation. The parties that she shows up, shows up to, she's much more relaxed and she's much more, uh, prepared to, you know, kind of go with the flow and let things happen and, uh, not trying to rush things along. Uh, another difference between perceiving and judging is that when perceivers kind of show up to a situation, they tend to linger as perceivers. We like to really absorb as much, you know, sensory or intuitive detail as we can. So we're just going to like hang out (laughs) for, for as much as possible because it feels good. It feels good. Even if it's not like this, um, even if she's not a character that is, that is very, um, brightly lit up like the typical extroverted intuition again she's younger than 20 years old most of the series so getting to a place where she's being more playful is really attached to the trauma she's hyper disciplined and not to say that istps also can't be hyper disciplined it's uh, that's really the core idea of this character is that she's really really focused on chess in order to avoid her feelings another moment that's really interesting is that um there's a, a scene where the night before she has kind of like a one night stand situation with someone. And she, she had basically the sequence of events is that she came back from a class. She went to go hang out with some students. She ended up sleeping with one of the students. And while everyone was around, she was much more relaxed and just kind of going with things. And in the morning, when she was by herself and she had time to, you know, all, all the people have left. That's when she started to get organized. She was like, this is a hot mess in here. <laughs> like she cleaned up things. She put on some music and fully immersed herself in her own introverted world. She started vacuuming. She took a shower. She took care of herself. She put on some music and was in charge of the sensory experience. And that's another distinction as well is that extroverted sensing is probably going to not worry too much about um, having to choose what the sensory experience is so much as just kind of being immersed in, you know, like sensory experiences. Whereas introverted sensing is going to be about selecting something that is personally enjoyable. So she listened to the same song quite a bit throughout the series and talking about the songs that she likes and when she gets into that stressed out space, typically she'll put on that music and then she'll start engaging in more sensory things when she's by herself, which is drinking and smoking and all of that stuff. And typically doing that more on her own, as opposed to going out and partying and doing it. So when she's going out and partying, um, she's not as easily getting drunk. She has a little bit more self-discipline uh, in that sense. And she's kind of just going along with what the other people around her are doing. So this this moment of being more disciplined alone tells me that she's more introverted judging focused, which is more of the ITPs. When she's living alone, she is a bit more focused on taking care of the house and she you know, redesigns it the way that she wants it and uh, takes care of things because it's hers. And that's something that uh, she cherishes, cherishes is taking, uh, making decisions for herself. So to go back to the stress of all, a lot of the series deals with her uh, drinking issues, the pills issue and all of this stuff. And the drinking part of things doesn't automatically mean extroverted sensing stress. It doesn't mean just, you know, ignoring the reality around you. Um, because again, she typically is not just immersing herself in anyone's noise and sound. She is choosing what she wants to drink and what she wants to consume. 
and is doing it by herself, typically in the safety of her own home. And that creates an interesting distinction, I think, in my mind between introverted sensing and extroverted sensing. But either way, you know, regardless of the accuracy of that, it's about realizing that her stress takes her into a sensory place of she's not necessarily wanting to be in her emotions or be in her body. And she's using sensory things to distract from that. The secondary function typically has a tether to the inferior function. So if she was an ISTP, which is still very much a possibility, um, most likely if she were to access extroverted sensing, that would be an inroad to her extroverted feeling. And what she's been doing the entire season is avoiding her feelings. So the last thing she would want to do is actively try to access something that allows her to get in touch with her feelings, which is, you know, diving into that sensory situation. Um, So that's, that's not a magic pill. That's not a give all, take all answer to that. But for the most part, she's been using her sensory experience as a wall to her emotions. You can think of introverted sensing in this case, if she's an INTP, as the tertiary function that is protecting against the three-year-old function of extroverted feeling. It's kind of like when uh, uh, two siblings, like you get a very protective older brother who's like the 10-year-old versus the three-year-old, they will do everything that they can to make sure that the little baby doesn't get hurt. And that's kind of what that introverted sensing stress is doing in this case, is trying to do everything it can to avoid getting into that emotional space. Her being a thinker woman is also an interesting aspect of this entire series that we are typically used to seeing more uh, feeler representations of women in media And uh, the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head for an NT woman, or especially an an INT woman, is uh, Bones from the series uh, Bones, Dr. Bones. (laughs) Um, She's a very serious, serious focused, um, what I believe is also a very TISI type of INTP, a very self-disciplined, self-focused writer, archaeologist type of character. Very ambitious as well. And, you know, the ambition doesn't uh, discount this character being an INTP as well, which I think is very important to remember. I think the modern representation of INTPs probably based on the fact that the internet can keep a lot of INTPs distracted from their own ambitions is that, you know, INTPs who are very hyper-disciplined and have a track that they are very proud of and want to go down can stick with that track for a very long time, be disciplined towards it and be very high achievers. So it really depends because there's different kinds of INTPs. Same thing with ISTPs and and different types of characters. ISTPs can be very practical, be very focused and get a lot of things done. And INTJs can also obviously be very successful and get a lot of things done. And so for her as a woman, as an, as an INT character is really interesting in that, um, She's very self-disciplined and focused, but when it comes to people, you know, she's almost completely subverting the social expectations uh, that are trying to be pushed on her as a woman, that she starts to go into the chess tournaments and there's a lot of like snide laughter and, you know, looking at her as if like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here, or you're going to get creamed because you're a woman and assumed to be of lesser intelligence. And even the other woman that she first plays against has this 
sort of preconceived notion of how far that they can go and even exhibits a little bit of the aloofness that she's starting to learn the, 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 the game, um, but nowhere near as disciplined or as interested as Beth is to this point. And as far as Beth is concerned, she's just like, get me to the hard stuff. Like I'm, this is, this is boring. Like (laughs) I want to get to the more interesting uh, players. I want to play the best. I am not interested in all of these social barriers that you're trying to put me on. And for, for her, it's more of an unconscious thing. It's more of the, um, almost like an obliviousness to this happening that there is this perception of her as a woman. Um, or at least she hasn't, she doesn't talk about it in the series that she just kind of blasts through it. And, uh, which is both admirable and typical for a lot of NT women who, um, in this case in particular in the sixties, you know, she is in situations where she's, uh, she's so hyper fixated on what she wants that like those, those barriers just fall down for her. So it removes those gender barriers that, um, others are trying to place on her, you know, because they don't make sense. And because all that makes sense to her is what she wants to achieve. Um, so she just completely bypasses it. Uh, her foster mother, takes care of all of the extroverted feeling arrangements and feeds information to her about like what people's reactions are in the crowd, what people like, what they're interested in. And, um, you know, she, the first time you actually see emotions come from Beth are when she loses for the first time at the end of episode three, I think when Benny is introduced as a character and um, she's experiencing loss for the first time and starting to talk about the situation and venting some of her emotions about chess out loud. So chess has been proven to be a safe space for her. And this safe space means that she can vent her emotions about chess, but not really about anything else. And she talks about this being like, a, 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 what is it? 64 squares? I forget the actual, but she says that it's a it's the 64 square space. I feel safe in it. And it's something that I can control and that I have um, the ability to maneuver around. And it's the same thing emotionally. If everything, her emotions are attached to this board, this sense of safety for her, then she can talk about her emotions in relation to this. Um, and in relation to, you know, the game and how, what people thought of her in that moment. So her emotions are typically tied to her intellect uh, and competency and personal sense of failure, which is more of an introverted thinking judgment as opposed to an introverted feeling judgment. Introverted feeling would be a little bit more about like, you know, either myself, I, you know, I did the wrong thing and therefore I'm valueless as a person and go down more of an emotional rabbit hole. She goes more of down a analytical rabbit hole of like, I got to do better. I'm not smart enough. I, you know, I, I made a dumb choice. I made a mistake and mistakes are a theme throughout the entire series. Um, you know, so she's, and we'll go back we'll go into that in a second, but she's a bit lost when it comes to social chatter and expectations, but is ultimately curious about it. Um, in the situation with her, um, her foster mother and the pen pal that she meets up with, she has a curiosity about what's going on between them. She doesn't necessarily pick up on it right away. Uh, but she notices after a few times of seeing them like laughing or like not coming, not showing up, she makes the assertion that, um, that they're sleeping together 
she basically makes an intuitive judgment that they are sleeping together based on a pattern that she notices of them hanging out together. Uh, and that only makes that assumption after a few times. So for me, that, that shows a sign of intuition that she's showing outside of the chess sphere and her relationship to, uh, to her stepmother, her foster mother brings some of that emotion out a little bit. And, um, it's very controlled still very focused display of emotion in that moment of like her literally saying like, Oh, I think they're fucking, (laughs) and, uh, um, you know, it's a really interesting moment to, uh, to notice her learning style that she notices the pattern. And then it's also related to her feeling who are her relationship and her closest relationships and, um, her relationship from her foster mother to this pen pal type of person. So she's generally lost about the chatter and expectations, but there's a curiosity there. And when she gets custody of the house, she starts to take on a little bit of the, the role of like dressing up a little bit more, taking care of herself. And she likes to dress up nice, um, which is a little bit of that extroverted feeling coming out. And also her, her, her outfit choices are a little bit more colorful. They're a little bit more, um, uh, uh, stylized, you know, which is, could be extroverted intuition or extroverted sensing. Uh, but still she's making her own personal kind of vibrant displays of, um, her personal fashion choices. So another interesting aspect about her being specifically a woman, I know I've been jumping around that part, but, um, because she's not as typical, of a woman. She's not a typical, you know, feeler type that she pretty much has her pick of the litter when it comes to, uh, who's attracted or interested in her. And there are a lot of people who are looking for that type of person, someone who is not typical, someone who is a little bit more analytical that you can have, uh, more technical conversations with. And that's, that's very appealing to a lot of men, um, or to a lot of people, depending on your situation. So for her, she's got plenty to choose from, and uh, that's probably the case for for plenty of of INTs, though she may not personally be aware of it, <laughs> and uh, you know just kind of keep going through the motions and not worried about that stuff. Um, so one of the things about her emotional experience is that it's a, it's as if she has a clean slate uh, about social norms and observes at a distance. So there's, there's the one time she's in the library and noticing people making out in the corner. And she's just kind of like watching, just noticing. I remember being like that when I was in middle school that I would just like notice that like people are pairing up and like, what is happening here? And ultimately being curious about it, you know? Um, and you know, she's quick to ask for help when it comes to her logical needs and her ambitions and her fixation around chess, but embarrassed to ask for social help with like pads in the bathroom at the high school tournament. Um, and is not willing to admit that she doesn't know what to do. Uh, she will go to her foster mother cause that's more of her, uh, private emotional space. That's someone that she trusts at this point. Um, but the person that she just met at the high school is like, I don't know that I can, I don't want to display my incompetency with this sort of thing. And, um, tends to be more embarrassed about, the social things that she should just be able to figure out herself, which is typically a very INTP thing to uh, be concerned about. So, I mean, I talked a lot about this character being an INTP, but again, it's, you know, there are possibilities here of, of other angles and other aspects of, 
of this character. You know, a case can be made for Beth being an INTJ, and one can probably pull a few behaviors as INTG, INTJ examples, and both have plenty in common. Um, I, and as I mentioned earlier, I largely discounted INTJ as introverted intuition and as a natural strength for INTJs, which likely wouldn't need to be activated through the pills. So it's important to remember that INTPs can very much be put together, can be expressive and uh, cleanly. This is especially true if having full control over your domain as an INTP. In the 60s, there's no internet, no cell phone or video games to distract from and enable analysis paralysis. So if you want um, to learn, play or do something, you've likely got to leave the house. <laughs> it's just kind of like built into the social structure. So you know, Beth has external influences from her foster mother to dress well and make social connections. She also has uh, pops of play and rebellion through the series that speak to a more perceiver attitude. The series touches on activating and trusting her intuition as opposed to relying on a set script or specific techniques uh, when she's learning chess, then basically relying on being a t an intuitive player. So keep in mind that she's also a teenager for most of the series. This means an over-reliance on reference and recall as opposed to adapting in the moment. And INTJs learn to trust their thinking. INTPs learn to trust their intuition. So similar to Sherlock, you'll get hybrid elements of what's publicly considered to be a genius. In media, this is typically an INTX traits mashed together, sometimes ISTPs. And um, in this case, what we see is a discipline and acuity that rivals that of extroverted thinking in a hyper-focused INTP mind. And I think what's happening with the pills is that she's activating her extroverted intuition prematurely and kind of getting addicted to it. And by the end of the series, you know, what, what really is the kicker for me, what's really interesting about this character all the way through is that by the end of the series, she has all of these different experiences of playing with different masters, uh, Benny, uh, forget the other characters' names. <laughs> and I think Beth even forgets some people's names that she's met before, which is also an interesting extroverted feeling, inferior function thing. Um, but uh, some of these characters that she's played with and had um, good experiences with, uh, they, they show up at the end of the series as her having a support system of have, having people that she cares about and having people that she really uh, loves and respects to help and support her through um, uh, through the final stages of what she's experiencing. And it's finally when she gets an opportunity to look back at those things. And she a couple things culminate at the basically the last episode of the series where she has reviewed all of the events leading up to her mother's crash. Um, the, the big traumatic moment and everything leading up to it, talking a lot about mistakes and perfection and, and being focused. And you can get a lot of that history of why she feels like she needs to be so disciplined and also having an opportunity to see her past, her, her modern past come together and all of the people that she's uh, played with and had opportunities to gain experience with because gaining experience activates the actual pattern recognition. So far with the pills, she's been using more of a synthetic pattern recognition to help her visualize and, and review existing games and be able to look at uh, pattern possibilities of, of uh, potential outcomes. But now that she's had experience, she's able to, use that experience to start activating her built-in intuition that this is 
basically it's revealed at the end of the series that this is something that she already has within her that she can now access as a result of all of the experience that she's gained and being able to review the history to access her emotions and uh, to have basically created a support system, a context in which she can be uh, appreciated for who she is and uh, really, you know, go forth into her own personal future. And really like my favorite absolute moment is really the last 15 minutes of the series when there is a lot of extroverted feelings starting to creep in about people trying to control her say like oh you're a great uh, prop against communism for the american government that um that there's all these plans being waged for her and that she just has this moment where she's like stop the car and she gets out and just starts wandering her own direction And to me, that's another example of her intuition starting to break out where she's just like, no, I'm just going to go this way and, (laughs) and, and starts to just kind of explore. And she goes towards the guys in the park, the old men in the park that are playing chess. And the last two words of the series is let's play and gets into a place where she's starting to activate her secondary function. So we talked a lot about her emotional wall that she's experiencing, especially whether you relate it to introverted sensing or whatever function you want to, you know, it makes the most sense uh, for you as you're observing this. The, the, the point that everything starts to break down is when she goes back to basically like her past starts to slowly creep into her life and her modern version of the past, Jolene shows up and then Jolene ends up taking her to the foster home that she grew up in. And it was through this experience of going into her recent past and having a new personal history that she went to the foster home and went into the basement where she originally met the the janitor and was able to be able to see that he had, he had passed away at this point. And she was able to see that he had kept newspaper clippings on the wall and he followed her career through uh, chess tournaments and all of this stuff. And I think because of her potentially being an INTP that she just really had no awareness that there were anyone, there's anyone in her life that actually cared about her. As far as she knew, she was disciplined on her own and she was following her own path and had to do her own thing, her own way in order to survive. Like she had to be you know, safely within her own box in order to survive. And she couldn't trust other people, which I can relate to in a lot of ways. And had some difficulty realizing who did or did not care about her. And um, that could be in relation to her mother as well. You know, not feeling like how could her mom take have her in the car with her when the mom was essentially what seemed like she was committing suicide. So this trauma-related element, which is a through line with this entire series, is that she is now having to revisit a new history for herself and with the janitor seeing that he actually cared that's like that's a new experience for her and then she starts going through this 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 past uh, this past starts to show up in her life you know the guy she had a crush on at the first high school tournament shows up in russia and gets a phone call from from benny who is with harry who is with the twins and all these other characters and people that have actually had a positive influence in her life and has been a part of her experiences um, up to this point throughout the series and it was this really nice moment for her to experience that she has a support system she has people that cares about her 
And that's when the wall comes down after she leaves the the orphanage, the wall comes down and she's able to finally break down and cry in front of Jolene. And Jolene is someone that she trusts and cares about. And she starts to realize that she has developed these personal relationships throughout her life, throughout her adult life, her uh, teenage life, really. And now that she has this safe space, this support system, these people, she can safely start to process her emotions and through that experience starts to access her intuition, uh, which gives her that ability to bring it with her when she's in that final chess match with Borgoff to be able to access her intuition without the need of pills anymore, without the need of external substances and being able to forge a path that is hers, that is not dependent on being perfect or having to prove herself to anyone. But now she has people that she actually, that actually cares about her. And, uh, that's a really important emotional moment to kind of lift the veil of the trauma of the clinging of the fixation of her introverted sensing that she's likely holding on to of that deep, intense discipline to trust myself to only be in the safe box of chess. And it's not that she's going to ignore chess. It's like, you know, the last statement that she made was let's play. And she's going to now see chess as something that has been obviously this like savior in her life that has been this through line, but it's been something that actually also gave her uh, a connection to all of these new people in her life and is going to be this, this avenue in which she can also venture forward. So regardless of the, the function associations um, and all of this stuff, being able to see that uh, this, this trauma related element was lifted through being able to revisit her past and make the connection points between like the people that have actually stood by her and are now standing by her is a very powerful and important element to step outside of the chess board as something that's safe and actually now be able to go into real life as something that's safe, that she can play chess for fun, not just in terms of trying to achieve and trying to be perfect, but she can go and just play with an old man in the park. And it's something that she can enjoy and start to the, the idea of the end of the series is that she's now really finally getting to start to live her life away from the trauma of her mom and away from the trauma of, of, of the orphanage situation and realize that from the start, from the second that the car crash happened, that people were around and really did care. And, um, now she can see that and has that contextual support system, that extroverted feeling support system that lays the foundation for how she can go forward and start to bring her talents to other people and, and just play and have fun and express herself. Another reason I wanted to highlight this show is because it's a really good example of the INTP growth path. Even whether or not this character is an INTP, you could still try to discuss whether she's an ISTP or INTJ or whatever. The The point is that if you look at it through the lens of basically everything I've talked about so far is that um, th this is a really good example of an INTP trying to access their intuition and eventually going down a path that leads them back into discovering a new personal history for themselves. And that. Beth basically decided at some point that the history that she didn't have control over the one with her mom 
was not something that she is necessarily um, rigidly tied to. This is something that she can venture out, try new things, and learn new ways to calm her mind that doesn't rely on external substances and needs. So one of the the major elements of the, the trauma piece is that she was trying to find a way to calm her mind and calming her mind came through the pills and the pills relaxed her to a point where she didn't have to think about all of the emotions tied to all of her thoughts. And that can happen for quite a few INTPs, even if it's not uh, linked to this intense trauma that this situation or this story told. But a lot of INTPs are, by the time they get into their teenage years, there's hormones raging. There's a lot of new experiences. There's a lot of struggle when you're trying to pull away from your parents or trying to redefine life for yourself in some way, shape or form. So for you being an INTP and INTPs are typically the the types that I tend to work with the most, uh, for you being an INTP, especially if you're a teenager or you have been, uh, you know, this growth path of, of knowing that, uh, you can just venture forth into something that's important to you and you will connect with people through the things that, that are fascinating to you, that are interesting to you. She leaned into what was interesting for her. And through that, she found a support system. She found a new support system. She found chosen family uh, through her life. And this is not unique necessarily to an INTP that's a teenager. If you're in your 20s, even your 30s, and you have maybe not gone down a path of doing something that you really love or you're interested in for fear of it not being practical or fear of not being able to envision a future for yourself, that this story is an important story of of going forward uh, despite not having necessarily a specific direction. And through that experience, through that adventure, through the willingness to say yes, to go do things, to go... You know, in her case, she was able to go travel to different tournaments to connect with different people through what she loved and what she was interested in. She was willing to make money and pay to gain access to these specialty places, specialty tournaments. And I recommend for INTPs that when you want to connect with people, you connect with people based on something that you are passionate about. Sometimes that involves something you have to pay for. You have to pay to get into. And I think because of her trauma, whether that's related to the Enneagram or her fixation or whatever, that she basically wanted to go towards her interests, her fixations at all costs. And that's not something a typical INTP goes into, but it actually benefited her in this case. It's almost like she unconsciously knew what she needed and ended up in a place where as long as she kept recalibrating, she ended up in a place where she attracted people who cared about her and kept those people in her life, did not push them away. And uh, later on, she was able to backtrack and realize how much these people cared and now can keep them in her life and continue to play chess and actually can play chess with strangers um, in a situation that is not uh, specific and highly specialized. So the idea here is for the INTB growth path, it's Typically you get, you know, specialized in something you really care about and really are interested in through your introverted thinking and introverted sensing. And then you just go explore with it. And through that exploration, through that travel, through, um, the, the connection making, 
you end up finding people that become a base level uh, through line in your life. And those people allow you to feel like you can have a future for yourself that is open. That is something you can define for yourself going forward. That is perhaps free of the, the, the traumas of your past, something you can finally process because you have people to process it with a safe space for, for people, for, for you to process with other people that are actually going to listen and care about uh, your future who you are, what you appreciate, what you love, and what you want for yourself. So I think this story is very important for INTPs to watch, even if it's not for personality typing purposes, because I think there's some good lessons in here for you. Um, so what do you think? Do you resonate with this character? Do you, you know, what sticks out to you as an interesting observation of this character? Obviously, I couldn't cover everything, and there's so much in this series. It's a really great series, and I really loved, you know, uh, watching it. And I just wanted to cover something that activated my, my thoughts around character development. So let me know in the comments below what your experience is. And as I mentioned before, you know, what we've been doing here is passive typing. That means looking at someone from a distance, noticing their behaviors based on our perceptions and what we, you know, what we know about personalities. Uh, the difference in what I do professionally is I do active typing, which means I sit down with someone, we do an interview. And through that process, through verification, because the other person has to confirm that they resonate with what I've determined is their personality type, that we go through a profiling session together, an interview, a verification session, then an explanation of what your personality is. And usually there's some coaching elements in there. That's what I do professionally here at dopamine.life. So D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.life slash profiling session. If you want to sign up to get a profiling session with me to figure out or determine or to, to confirm your personality type, especially if you're an INTP, INTJ, ISTP, some people get confused about these different types all the time. And that's really why I wanted to talk about this to not just try to prove, you know, this character's type, but to talk about some of the key differences. And hopefully this made some sense. Uh, if there's further questions, let me know in the comments below or uh, reach out to me at dopaminepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm happy to answer some of your questions there. And if there's enough questions, I'll make another episode about it. So let me know what you thought of this little, um, this character breakdown. And, uh, if you like it and you have some suggestions for characters, you would like to see broken down like this, uh, let me know in the comments below and, uh, we'll pursue that possibility in the future. So thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Dopamine.life is where all the stuff is and dopamine.teachable.com. We have courses and other things available there as well. So with all that said, I appreciate you take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Hi, I'm Gabriella, and um, I had a profiling session with Christian. If you are on the fence about this, I can't recommend it enough. I've been into MBTI for about three to four years now, and when I tell you that what I learned today made up for um, three years of guesswork, I really mean it. Um, Christian uses your own real life examples in questions that he asks you and um, lets you know how your stack, your cognitive functions work together based on the answers that you gave him. Um, and that's something that you can't find in a book or online. He gave me his undivided attention and expertise and knowledge for two hours. Um, and it was more than I could have hoped for. Sign up for your own one-on-one -on -one personality profiling session at dopamine.life slash profiling session today.
This has been a C-Note Media production. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I'll throw it at the tag here at the end. Um, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. <clears throat> if you want to support um, this podcast uh, in some sort of financial way, that would be really amazing. And uh, we also provide information for how to learn the theory of Myers-Briggs on our Patreon. So if that's something you're interested in, go ahead and do that there. There. Do that there. Do that there. Go to that there, patreon.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, and I'll see you over there. Thanks.